Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com hello and welcome to episode number 109 the dc comics news podcast you have arrived and you are joined by myself your host seth singleton and the amazing the phenomenal mr brad Flicky. brad how you doing basically hey i'm doing okay hope everyone else is doing okay as well indeed i <laughs> i always love the fact that you mentioned that man i'm sure anybody <laughs> listening does too we're thinking about you because until we know how you're doing we gotta wonder so don't leave me like that mom not wanting to eat anything in case the phone might ring and I have food in my mouth. Just let us know how you're doing, okay? We're going to jump into a bunch of fun stories. And, and the first one is actually the fact that uh, – is this like Snyder weekend, Brad? Do you know if we've officially <laughs> named this weekend? Like the, the you know, uh, you know, it's like Halloween is all Hallow's Eve. Like is there like an Eve for Snyder Cut that we should be addressing for this weekend? Because – it's it's the weekend before the event, man. It's 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 the only thing you seem to <laughs> hear about. Uh, kicking that off is the fact that we've got some Zack Snyder Justice League teasers. Now, we got a little preview of this last week when Brad and Steve were talking about the Batman Superman. And it sounds like just from recapping with uh, Brad before we got started that the Twitch teaser offers a little bit of some new material as well. But then we also have some new characters. But before we get to that, let's not... Rush ahead. Uh, Brad, tell us about the Batman Superman ones that you and Steve talked about last week. Yeah, you know, we when we, we talked about uh, these, uh, and, and it's something that's kind of carried over into these other character trailers, too, is that um, they all feel very, very Zack Snyder. I mean, Zack Snyder has a definite aesthetic, and all these, these trailers uh, have followed that to a T. Uh, you know, there's there's some little scenes that look like something almost straight out of 300. You know, you know right. this, this is Gotham, not this is Sparta. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you kill me, man. I love you for that. I absolutely love this guy when he does stuff like that. Uh, okay, sorry. That's just me interrupting. <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> Zack Snyder brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, this definitely does feel like... Uh, Zack Snyder, uh, and you know, and, and something that that that's true for both Superman and Batman, and the rest of these is that it gives a little um, insight into the characters, but not 
doesn't give much away at all as far as what we're getting in the plot. And Twitch user, we do see a lot of stuff kind of that we've seen before, but we do get some more dark side. And we got, you know, we did get also got the um, the dark side trailer. And one other thing I think that's cool about all these is that it's keeping in mind that this is a four hour long movie. So there is so much footage to choose from. So even getting all this footage, there's so much more that we are, uh, you know, we don't have no idea what we're in for. You know, like this is just wetting the appetite because there is there is so much more i mean this was like a couple pieces of sushi when you're getting like a 12 course meal uh you know in a few days so um it's just yeah these these are are a lot of fun and yeah it is it is definitely snyder weekend or snyder week as we lead up to you know the thursday uh you know the the thursday debut so uh what was what was your take on these on these little trailers well the batman and superman were new for me i had to miss out on you guys last week which i uh you know i regret because i would have had the chance to recap with you on these as well but what i saw was quite gorgeous i i i really dug the superman one it stuck with me in a way that's i mean i felt so many echoes of man of steel and it, it felt really wonderful the the scene just to lay it out for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And if this doesn't whet your appetite as Brad has described, well, I don't know what to do. But him walking down that hallway with the suit sort of coming out and taking everything in, it it felt like there could have been so many different um, contexts for that scene to be placed into. But the meaning behind that scene was really powerful this idea of the identities and the choices it was awesome and then we've got some new ones coming through with the fact that teasers are now available for cyborg wonder woman dark side as you mentioned we also get the flash and an aquaman teaser i thought a lot of these were uh, really lovely i just you know I, I love the elements that are addressed and you know brad you said it earlier with the idea of you know getting a couple of sushi appetizers you know before you go ahead and like line up for like the prime rib maybe a fish course and, and the other remaining like you know what 10 entrees on that 12 course meal you were describing and we know that if this thing is going to be four hours that that these i mean come on these scenes weren't more than what a minute minute and a half that <laughs> <laughs> in, in the total number of minutes we're going to enjoy not only that but we already know that there's some characters who they aren't being teased here but we've already heard that they will be appearing in the project and and the funny thing is it, it's the movie that's streaming but instead of it being in tv streaming it's definitely kicking off our movie because it was a movie first right like it's leading off our movie news because of that you know wonderful thing that it started as and now we get to see it finish as any final thoughts on any more of these teasers just uh takeaways things like that you know i just that i I, and i don't know about you but me when i watch these trailers you know i i i I let them roll over me in a way i don't sit there and analyze them for footage that i haven't seen and things like that because I think that that is it, it helps me get more excited without trying to break things down and get too uh, spoilery. I just kind of I'm just this is something that I kind of want to watch unfold when I click play on, you know, Thursday or at a three in the morning, you know. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I so I 
and I don't know how how you view them if you're you know if you're like fine tooth comb for new footage and all of that. But for me, I'm just you know I'm just enjoying them as kind of as a whole, like just just as a way to really get me excited. For me, it's definitely that experience where I I want to. You mentioned earlier, which I think is so important, that each one of these is singularly a representation of how Zack Snyder views film and presents the films that that mean something to him. You know, there was that awesome Vanity Fair article recently with him and the emotion that he describes and that the writer describes in their interview comes through so clearly in not only his films, but in these really quick teasers and the brand that you described, the, the feeling that this could have been like 300. Uh, there was something about that that stuck with me the most. So no, I don't find myself getting drawn into the details as much. I'm not going to enjoy the story later on second, third, however many watchings I can end up doing without getting in trouble with people around me or mm-hmm. the fact that it'll cause me to not bathe or eat or other issues like that. Um, <laughs> those are all the times when I can look for other parts of the story that I want to pay attention to and look for other threads that I didn't notice the first time through. But yeah, man, my first time through, I just want to enjoy the experience. I know that there's a story that I'm supposed to get initially and then enjoy for other reasons later. And this first time through, as I did with these trailers, as I plan on with this movie, whenever it is I'm able to watch it, 3 a.m. or not, I can see myself taking it all in and enjoying what it feels like and what I experience, and then later wanting to, you know, play with the details when I'm watching stuff. So no, I'm not a break it down through the trailer to figure out what I can, you know, unlock for myself about the movie. But what I did leave myself with after each one of these is, how will I see these portrayed in the movie? And what's the context to the scene? Because there's clearly an emotion that's established through these teasers, but it's also something that, you know, it's connected to the other parts that are going to be part of this really big opus. So um, for me, it just felt like a really great way to just see those little details and go, now can, you know, now can I see the big picture and what's it all going to look like together? That was probably what it felt like for me, I think. But, you know, we've got plenty of time to talk more about Zack Snyder because our next story is the fact that if you were tuning in to HBO Max for, well, something, and you found yourself watching Justice League accidentally, well, it wasn't, you know, some sort of thing you ate or some sort of like, you know, uh, virus reaction or hallucination. It happened because there was a leak. And uh, <laughs> Brad, what did you think about this story and the fact that some people got a quick preview? Well, this is, something like this happens, and, I, and the first thing that that pops into my head is somebody got fired. <laughs> you know, somebody had to lose their job <laughs> over this in some way. You know, um, but it's you know, I you know, um, we were talking a little bit about social media before we started uh, recording. And I am not on Twitter as as much. And really, you know, it's funny. I thought I would have seen more spoilers, but, you know, I, I don't know if that's because I don't go on social media as much, um, although I am on Facebook quite a bit. But, um, yeah, so I, I didn't really so this didn't really spoil anything for me. But this is just, man, somebody somebody at Warner Brothers probably really lost their mind when that or HBO Max really lost her mind when that when that happened and it's interesting too that if you read the story it says that um you know uh 
there are diff there were different reports. Some say they were able to watch it for an hour. Some say they were able to watch up to two hours of the film. So that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's kind of interesting too. Uh, what was your take? Those two parts caught me the most. In addition to the fact that the majority of people that I can tell from the story were tuning in to watch Tom and Jerry, which is a completely different audience. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, there's there's who's watching that that is going to like pull out their phone and start recording it off the screen or or something else. To you know, just the fact that if you're only going to get to see part of it, you know, how much of it do you do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's almost like oh, I'm only going to get a peek. Yeah, I don't want it. I don't want to, you yeah. know, I'll just wait till I can see the whole thing. So yeah. that was really what, <laughs> what stuck with me the most with this story. And just the weird, the weird, you know, coincidence, the weird, uh, I mean, for those who wanted to see, of course, serendipity. But just that, that funny thing for me where it's like, really, you know, with everything going on, <laughs> that's the problem that happens. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Probably somebody got fired. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I However, mean, that's a pretty big mistake. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I can't imagine how things are set up for when they, you know, do a release like that on a streaming platform. If you're out there and you do this or if you're the person who got fired and you want to tell us your story, we want to <laughs> hear it. We don't want to, you know, get you in trouble. We'll even create a pseudonym. We'll disguise your voice, the whole nine. But if you know this and want to tell us, I'm, I'm putting it out there. We, we got people that can handle this thing. We'll protect you. Okay, okay. So <laughs> with all that in mind, no, 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 we are not done, done, done with Zack Snyder. In fact, we've had a news story letting us know that while this is a four-hour-long single feature project, it will be broken into six chapters, which to me sounds like a fun idea. The uh, the chapters are titled Chapter 1, Don't Count on It, Batman. Chapter 2, The Age of Heroes. Chapter 3, Beloved Mother, Beloved Son. Chapter 4, Change Machine. Chapter 5, All the King's Horses. Chapter 6, Something Darker. Brad, what do you think about this story? I got to say the one that really jumps at me is Something Darker. I mean, obviously, the darker means probably alluding to dark side. Um so I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. So and that makes me that makes me wonder kind of are we not going to see Darkseid until chapter six? That you know, that's something that could be possible. And it's something that could work well in the film is like he's the big bad and there's one big fight and that's the whole chapter. You know, so you know, that'll be interesting. Um and I'm 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 curious now, granted, there's been plenty of movies that have been broken down into chapters. But I'm curious about what this is going to do with the pacing of the film, considering that it is like Snyder's vision and how it's all going to come together. Is it going to feel like those chapters are separate and they're telling almost separate stories that tie together? Or is it going to feel like one long narrative? You know, I, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but. Uh, just because it's, you know, it is four hours, you know, how how these chapters will break down and, 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 and affect the pacing, you know, of the film. So I'm not going to speculate like like the article does about what these chapters can mean, because once again, it's just something that I'm going to let kind of present itself to me. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it, it does pique my curiosity. Uh, what about you? Well, I'm of a few minds. One, I I like the idea suggested. I mean, I understand what you're talking about with how do these six chapters come together to form the 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 main story? Where's the connection going to occur? And I know in the Marvel movies, we are lucky to have like the character of Phil Coulson and um, Nick Fury, who could be these characters that crossed over between the films, provided a, a storyline that was woven in the post credit scenes and things like that. And I thinking about just how that's an idea where there could be a few common threads that are overlapping as these six chapters are developed. And then through that, how we pull the characters together. I did enjoy some of the, and if you get a chance, check out this article on uh, DC Comics News. It's uh, the Snyder Cut in Six Chapters by Joel Taylor. It points out just some possibilities about how you can consider these chapters. And one that, that I think might give an idea of how this movie could be telling its story is the Age of Heroes idea. You know, that there was the original Age of Heroes. There is a potentially a future age of heroes that's being you know told in the nightmare scenario for Batman and also the characters that are with him that is suggested, as well as the possibility and the opportunity for there to be an age of heroes now. So creating that concept about a future, a past and the present, and then using those ideas to sort of build this new um, collection of stories into one. It's probably the first way that I, I, I think about them all coming together. You know what I mean? Using that that recognition that while you're telling people in the present about things from the past or about a fear from the future or maybe, you know, the idea of flash time traveling and, you know, things like that. I feel like those could all help tie this together in some fun ways. I, I do know that one of the things Zack Snyder's done pretty well is inventive storytelling. And I think... Given the amount of time and what he originally had planned and how passionate he's been, and, and it seems like his direction is just laser focused, it's going to work. Uh, but I, I, I can't wait to sort of see how it all comes together. You know, it's like recipes and ingredients. And you're like, so there's this one part where it looks like we're going to do something kind of interesting. How's that going to work out? <laughs> you're only going to find out when you start making it. And if you want to see if maybe, you know, there's some inside sort of insight that's offered when you're watching the movie, should you find yourself with with questions or if you would enjoy the concept of a commentary track, well, guess what? We have a story for you. That's because Zack Snyder is going to be involved in a Justice League watch party that's scheduled for March 18th. Brad, what do you think about this story? And Will you watch it at three in the morning and then come back and watch it for the watch party? <laughs> What's on your mind? I, you know, I, I have to no say, judgment. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. But you know, the thing that that I, I, I think that he's gonna, I think that it would be amazing to hear his commentary. But you know, that is the big question: is I don't want it to be the first time I watch it to have his commentary. I want it to be after I've seen it. So, I between these. Um, these trailers that we have and like this, this commentary and the posters that, that were recently released, how cool would it be to get a really nice Blu-ray box set with just tons of multimedia material, like all these trailers, like the movie, maybe the movie with the stack uh, Snyder commentary. I'm sure there's plenty of 
amazing documentaries that can be made about the whole process of what happened. Uh, they could even have, um, you know, print interviews, um, ways to download and print out those posters. I mean, the the, the Blu-ray box set that could that could be made from this is just uh, just something that I would definitely want in my in my library and such an interesting cultural moment and you know how everything came together so yeah i think that um this this could be something that's really cool and i'm sure that a lot of people will tune in because this is something that was so driven by fans but i think there are a lot of fans that would want to hear his insight so uh, what was your take on this I think it's a really neat idea. I think you've raised a great point, which is it, it probably wouldn't want to be the way you first see the movie. You know, you want to take it in and then see what questions naturally come to your mind as you're watching it the first time through and then see whether or not they get answered when you're enjoying the commentary as part of the watch party. That's that's my take, I guess. And I also think you've <laughs> I think you've suggested to anybody out there who's wondering who should be in charge of putting together Blu-ray boxes. Um, <clears throat> this is Brad Felicki. He usually <laughs> gives his contact stuff at the end of the episode. I would maybe <laughs> give him, you know, just reach out to him. Say, hey, ask him what he thinks, because what he's talking about, I hope somebody's taking notes on this, wherever you are, really. Just hit the rewind button a couple of times. Thank me later, because <laughs> you, you really keyed into something, man. This is a cultural moment, and how it's captured and presented in a Blu-ray collection could be just as important as the moment itself, because there's a reason why this is happening. As you said, it's so fan driven and it's something that is going to, it's going to need that place in history. It's going to be, it's going to need to be recorded in the best way possible. That blue gray collection could be the best way to do it. And the other thing I, I kind of got a kick out of this is that this is all happening on a platform other than HBO Max, but you need an active HBO Max account in order to participate in the event. It's going to be hosted on the Senior platform, S-C-E-N-E-R. And if you would like to be part of that, go to SnyderCut.Senior.com because you will need to, uh, I think, go on beforehand so that you can verify that you're set up on there so you can participate. So don't wait till the last minute, I guess, is what I'm saying. If this is something you want to do, don't wait until it's like two minutes before and then try and, you know, get set up because everyone else is going to be doing the same thing. If you want this, get in early, get set up, and then make a plan. Either make it the first thing you see and tell us what that's like or watch it first, come back around, great the great commentary. If nothing else, though, should you miss out on this experience, there's always the possibility somebody is listening to all the great things Brad just had to say about that Blu-ray set. And if they do it right, well, you as a fan will be grateful, not only to them, but to Mr. Felicki. Brad, I'm grateful <laughs> to you, sir. You are you are the one who sends us off thinking about so many possibilities as we wrap up what is the Zack Snyder portion of our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> as it's so often been the case, and move into the rest of our movie news. Can anything measure up to what we've been talking about? Well, in my eyes, yes, there really can. And for me, it's that Justice Society World War II upcoming project. Finally, my, my Justice Society is back. And I couldn't be happier. Now, what other way is there to celebrate besides the movie? Well, there's watch parties and things like that. Or 
there is a WonderCon panel coming up at the end of March. Brad, what do you think about this story and what we can expect? Uh, yeah, I think it's got a lot of good panelists, you know, all the voice actors from this. It's yeah, it's really cool. And it's coming, you know, it's coming up in just a few weeks. And this is the first big virtual con of the year. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting panels. And this is this. But this one, though, is definitely one that I'm going to want to to watch because I, I, I am looking forward to, you know, the Justice Society animated movie. Uh, you know, quite frankly, any time that Flash time travels, it's going to be a fun story. <laughs> so uh, I, I am completely on board. And any time Nazis get punched is always good, too. So I am completely down for this movie. And, as, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, these voice actors insight into everything. And I'm also looking forward to hopefully seeing a little more footage of uh, of the film so you know fingers crossed on that one uh, what was your take i like more footage it's always fun don't spoil it for me but you know like these teasers we were just talking about give me enough reasons to get more and more excited for it uh, I, I love the fact that, yeah, like you said, it's just a few weeks away. We're talking about March 26th and 27th with the panel actually airing on the 27th. And I think I get a kick out of the fact that you mentioned something important, which is that this is the first event of 2021, the virtual event. And it'll be interesting to see what these events like WonderCon have learned from fandom, which I, I think kind of became the benchmark after this past year yeah it really yeah. it really you know what i mean i mean we'd see yeah i'm glad you brought what the that other up. cons <laughs> tried to do <laughs> yeah. yeah go ahead man why, Cause, why, cause why I, like, I was gonna say on? like i was gonna you know i was gonna say that but coming from me that's beating the dead horse because it seems like every time that we talk about a virtual con i'm always saying that man i hope that it's more like fandom because fandom was just the absolute best one out of all of them last year so i do hope you know, that they, they do learn from that. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm psyched to just see how it's presented as well as what cool panels that we're going to be able to watch. Agreed. You, <laughs> you learn from your competitors. And if this is the one we're still talking about, we're not alone. We're just a percentage of the community who clearly were affected by it and inspired. So we want to see what others have learned and I think you're right. I think it's going to be uh, the true test of the metal to see how it works out. I think these voice actors are some great people to include. And I love the fact that we've still got more movie news, including the fact that the Batman just wrapped up principal photography. What'd you think, Brad? Oh, I love this. I love this because it means that granted there will, you know, there, there's most likely will have to be reshoots, but COVID being an issue, hopefully that is, is done issue you know is done now because we have seen the production of the batman be stopped either twice at least for covid so that's done now it can be edited and hopefully the reshoots won't be affected and we can get this in about a year i think it comes out you know march of uh, 2022 so hopefully a year from now you know this may be the batman week where we talk all movies you know all news about the batman so yeah i I uh, cannot wait for this. So uh, it, it is looking more and more like that March 2022 is going to be a reality. Oh, what was your take? Well, I, I love the fact that 
now that we know that it's wrapped, and like you said, there can't be any more delays now COVID-related for the most part, uh, simply because you're not, once the production is wrapped, you're, you're not dealing with so many different variables between cast, crew, and everything in between and who they interact with. I was also really stuck by the fact that this announcement was made on Twitter by Matt Reeves. And the picture that goes with it seemed to hold just – I'm not going to break down trailers because there's so much going on. And But when somebody posts a picture and then afterwards I'm looking at it and going, so there's a card that says just for you at the bottom. And it's adorable and kind of innocent and yet also mildly creepy. And I, I love the fact that there's a teaser like that. Like, yeah, we wrap production. What does this mean? And that's it. <laughs> you just got this photo to look at and go, but, but okay. Um, overall, though, I think it's great for a project to know that there were so many unexpecteds when it came to filming that now all of those concerns are no longer something that the project has to deal with. Now it's just the post production side and getting it ready for a big release. And like you said, man, I, I really do agree that especially with the anticipation for Snyder Cut, for other projects that we're looking forward to, and for the sort of feeling this movie could leave us with, that what we might see for the Batman, the buildup for that, and others like The Flash, (laughs) I think it's only going to get more exciting, you know, and I, I think the stakes could be a little more intense, simply because I think the bar is going to be higher now. I, I'm I'm interested to see how that actually plays out. But I love that this story lets us know that the Batman is that much closer to us enjoying. And I'm fairly certain fans are going to be excited about that. Now, as a Flash fan, I've been waiting for this Flash movie that seemed like it might never actually get off the ground. That's now really building cast and so much more. And we've got a give and take story uh two different stories letting us know one that the flash has found it's nora island nora allen island it's nora allen as well as it's iris west but that we will be losing billy crudup um he's been doing phenomenal work i've seen just some bits and pieces my wife's obsessed with that morning show and that is a that is a very i wouldn't want to mess with that billy crudup but because he's filming that in the U.S. and filming for The Flash would be in the U.K., and I guess there's so many complications with COVID and travel and uh, all the other things he would have to do in order to be safe for himself and everyone else, he's had to bow out. So kind of an interesting mix of news. I've got my take, but you're not here to just hear me. Brad, what do you think, my friend? I love that uh, Kiersey Clemens has signed on to be in The Flash, too, because we've seen her as Iris West in um, – the footage from uh, Snyder Cut. So I'm glad that they're keeping that in kind of continuity or in the family, however you want to say it. Um, Because here, if now they're saying right now that there's no, there's no plans for a justice league two or, you know, and, you know, it can exist on its own without relating to a, a broader DC cinematic universe. But if it is well received and people love it, they will most likely greenlight a Justice League too. So it, it's good to keep those interconnections going. And and I do like her work. I liked uh, her on uh, in Dope and, and other things that I've seen her in. So uh, I, I think she makes a great uh, Iris West. So I'm I'm psyched about that. And 
And Maribel Verdu, who's going to be playing Nora Allen, has been in a lot of good movies. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, uh, E2, Mama Tambien. So she's got a lot of great films under her belt. So I'm, she, she'll definitely be able to pull off the role. And it is such an important role. So it's good to know that um, such a competent actress is going to be, you know, is going to be doing the role. And losing Billy uh, Crudup, that's a bummer because I was looking forward to him in, in The Flash because, you know, he's – so good in most everything he does. I, I liked him as as um, Doctor Manhattan. You know, he's been you know he, he he's another one who has a great career and great roles under his belt. So that is that is a real bummer that um, that couldn't work out. Yeah, but on the other hand, I'm glad it was a matter of scheduling issues instead of conflict on set. So I mean, I guess that's a, a small comfort. But um, it, it's it's a shame that he couldn't couldn't be included. Uh, what was your take? I think the first thing that, that I was drawn to when I was looking at these stories is I'd already seen the teaser for The Flash before I got to these stories. And Kiersey Clemens, the moment that her and Ezra Miller lock eyes in that mm. scene, you know, that's that's one of those gifts that actors have, the way they can express emotionally wh- whatever is needed in, in a scene. So that if you just take that snippet and show it to people, they're going to feel the emotion that's coming from that. She caught me right then and there. Like the moment that her Ezra Miller already had me because I've seen Justice League and you know what I mean. I've already seen him portray the Flash and I've I've really you know enjoyed that. But seeing their exchange and the way that I was you know instantly in that moment going, yep, I could watch these two be in love all day long, no problem at all. That sealed it for me. So <laughs> I love the <laughs> fact that as you said there. There's all this talk about what's not going to happen after Justice League, which I love because there's nothing better than when people eat their words. I mean, <laughs> I'm not the biggest football fan, but I thought it was hilarious after all the Super Bowl hype and Tom Brady won playing for the Buccaneers. That then suddenly this like headline popped up that it caught my attention where he was like, oh, yeah, now he made a post like so many days after winning saying, by the way, I didn't forget everybody. <laughs> who said this was going to end in failure you know there's something about going so uh remember all you guys who said this wasn't going to happen so uh who's ready to eat some crow who's ready to eat their words yeah. i will yeah. cook them in you know all sorts of impressive shapes using undesirable food but <laughs> and i think Nora allen i think the selection that you you so rightly pointed to the great experience that she has itumama tambien i mean that was a uh, that was a powerful movie. Her role was significant and important, as well as in Pan's Labyrinth. Both both great examples that that show like her caliber as an actor, and I, I think she's going to be uh, the perfect fit for someone who we need as Nora Allen to provide that anchor. You know, there's a great value placed on her in Barry's story for so long in the comics. If you're going to bring that to life on screen, you really have to. You have to be aware of all that and what those different meanings should uh, be captured, should be expressed, and, and what you're looking for from an actor who can do that and what you want them to bring. I think this is a great selection. I, I think it's going to mean a lot. And I'm also just curious to see, you know, what's in store after Justice League because there's what was supposed to happen and then there's what's happening and then there's what still could happen. Now, I'm curious about how this could actually play out for our next story because Joe Manganiello, which is a name that I butcher far too often, and even though I just said it right now, I'm still not sure I said it correctly. 
uh, he was supposed to have a really great part in DC's extended universe. I mean, Deathstroke is a legendary character, and that end credit scene that we had of him, just that one moment suggested all these possibilities. And it, it looks like he was supposed to be in a sequel to Suicide Squad. He was potentially supposed to get his own movie. And none of these things ended up working out, especially because things like Justice League 2 never even happened. Brad, what did you think about this story and whether or not this is just a sad tale of a character who never came to be? Or is there a possibility, like you suggested, that what everybody said isn't going to happen after Justice League just might? And, you know, the fact that we've actually got a, a clip of him in one of the teasers. Oh, man. Poor, <laughs> poor Joe. He just, when it comes to his death stroke, he just can't catch a break, man. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's kind of funny because, you know, he, I, I love it when a character when, or when an actor loves the character they're playing. And he really does love Deathstroke. And it's kind of ironic that the one thing that people really liked about uh, the the Justice League that we got in theaters was that post credit scene with Deathstroke. Uh, it's just a shame that that couldn't that could never materialize beyond, you know, that little scene. But once again, if, you know, if the Snyder Cut is, you know, well received, I'm sure that that's going to open some doors to see, you know, his version on the character come back in in some way. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you, Joe. I'm rooting for you. Uh, what was what was your take? It seems like this is a story that hasn't really that shouldn't come to an end. One, because, like you said, he cares so much about the character and how much he wants to be a part of that. But two, for me, what what really sort of just sort of sticks is the fact that so much about Deathstroke recently has been so good. Uh, Priest had that amazing run on Deathstroke in DC Comics recently. I saw the animated feature. I think it was about a month ago I watched it. The uh, Knights and Dragons. Did you happen to catch that one? Uh, no, no, I did not. I did no not. No problem. Um, yeah. it, it does a nice job because he's the main character, which is a challenge sometimes. How do you tell a compelling story about a character that's mostly a villain? Not even really an anti-hero, but for the most part, a villain. I mean, a hired gun. And this made it, it was it was something I kept watching because it it created the connections I needed for me to care about the character. If they can use those two elements as a foundation. It's so easy to tell a compelling uh, Deathstroke story. Not only that, but look at how well it's already been done in Titans. I mean, you know, Isai Morales did a phenomenal job. And that was in a project that, for all that I love it, I know that as a streaming project, it's going to have a lower budget than a cinematic feature. And there is no telling, like you said, what the impact is going to be after the Snyder Cut. I think this is one of those stories that's letting us know he's still out there. He still wants this character to happen. And man, it, it it feels like one of those moments where the magician is like, so I'm just going to put my left hand over here and point at something, but don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. And the whole time afterwards, I'm like, what's going to happen? You don't just do that. <laughs> if you're doing a magic trick, you don't just point to a direction over here and go, but never mind, that's never going to happen. Because then it's like, but you're a magician. Your whole job. <laughs> so I, I i get that feeling I, I can't describe it any better than that i am aware of my failings but 
keeping that all in mind, I'm not going to wallow in sorrow. I will be, well, encouraged about what we can all look forward to in the upcoming Snyder Week. We've got our ad break coming, and then we've got TV streaming news. That's right. We just got through movies, in case you weren't sure. That's just the beginning. (laughs) And here on DC Comics News on the weekly podcast, we do movies. In this case, we do Snyder Cut. Then we do movies. Now we're doing TV and streaming up after the ad break. We've got some comics. we got some more coming your way. So enjoy these ads. Catch up on all the great stuff going on. Trust me, there's a lot. And then afterwards, we're coming back with TV and streaming, me and Brad, and, you know, nice and easy. Stay tuned. We'll be here when you come back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNEWS35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News Here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform Subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. 
and I'm here to tell you about Madbuck, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bad Go. No, no one had to see more of the bad no, I didn't want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, as promised, the ads are over. We hope you enjoyed all the things you can consider out there. We're bringing to you and. We've still got more in store for this week's episode. We're talking about the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. This is episode number 109. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. I'm joined 
but the phenomenal Brad Felicki. We got our way through the uh, Zack Snyder news, the movie news, and now <laughs> time for a little TV streaming news. Did you like Doom Patrol? Season one? Season two? I liked them both. I can guarantee you everybody on this podcast did too, which is why we're probably all cheering for joy at the announcement that season three is already making a casting, and that includes Michelle Gomez, who will be appearing as Madame Rogue. Brad, what was your take on this story, my friend? She is the perfect actress to come on board for uh, the Doom Patrol in any capacity. If you've seen her in Doctor Who or uh, The Flight Attendant, she is amazing in both. And she can play that quirky, uh, strange, kind of Doom Patrol-ish character, but she can also play a real kick-butt villain. You know, so I, I, I think it's is it's really, really perfect casting. I think she's going to have a lot of fun in the role. So it's it's this is just going to be so much fun, I think, to watch in uh, in the third season. I mean, you can't go wrong with Doom Patrol. You just can't. Uh, what was your take? A great actor. Really loved all of the work I've seen Gomez in so far. Uh, Steve, somewhere right now, your ears are burning and ringing in the most interesting ways because Brad said Doctor Who. Uh, So I I don't know what you want to do about that, man, but it's happening. And part of us just knows you would be here if you could. Uh, The the flight attendant reference recently got a chance to catch glimpses of that while my wife was loving it. And uh, the parts that I saw with her, phenomenal. Loved everything she's been in so far. Also, just love this brief uh, description. If you're not a longtime reader of the Doom Patrol, Madame Rogue first appeared in uh, issue number 86 back in 1964. And as far as how she could fit into the story, based on how she previously was part of the story. She was a former lover of Niles Calder, you know, the guy they call Chief. And she suffered from a split personality that had a good and evil side. And eventually she fell in with the Brotherhood of Evil, where Brain made sure that the evil personality took dominance. She also has shape-shifting and stretching abilities, which could make for some interesting interactions with a certain character named Rita, who we were lucky enough to... Uh, talk with on an episode of the podcast that maybe we could follow up at some point and get them both on josh we're not making any hints or suggestions but i just threw it out there i don't know what's going to happen now (laughs) i think this is a great decision i love hearing more about the doom patrol we we know that there's so much that we can look forward to and i'm really excited to see just how much wilder the series can get it's done such a phenomenal job and it's the reason that i now know matt bomer's voice so well (laughs) <laughs> from either that show, People Like Us, or now as he's appearing in the Justice Society movie. So um, I think this is a great decision, and I love hearing new Doom Patrol news. And then an interesting thing that I always wondered if it would be a possibility is this new story that we have suggesting that Ruby Rose, she who played Batwoman in season one and has since left the show, would be willing to come back in some capacity that's not clarified in any way. But as she states, she's already completed three movies since leaving the project. And 
it sounds like there's been enough passage of time and other factors that that would be something she would be open to. Brad, what was your take on this story? Too soon? Uh, I'm not sure. What was your, what was your take? You know, I I am very happy that she would be willing to come back because I think in a way it is necessary. And it's kind of, it, it, not that I have any right to be annoyed by anything Ruby Rose says. But <laughs> you have every it, right. It, it, but it annoyed me that she said, well, I don't think it would be a good idea because, you know, now we're onto this new character. And I get it that she has a point. But, it, you know, story-wise, there is a thing, uh, there is such a thing as closure. And having her come back would be a great way to tie up that loose end and really hand the baton to uh, Javika Leslie to to completely run. And then you wouldn't have to worry about Kate Kane ever again. But I think it would be a nice little way to tie that up with the bow. And uh, yeah, and you wouldn't even have to mention again. I think it's I think it's almost necessary. And, and I am glad that she is willing to do it. And I hope that, you know, at some point, uh, at some point she will. Uh, what was your take? I I haven't really decided on this, man. I'm going to be completely honest. I've thought about it, and I'm I'm of a few opinions. And the one that I'm currently leaning on is that yes, while it might be helpful for the series for the character in the eyes of fans to potentially come in and and have her make an appearance to provide that closure, it might not be the best timing regarding the development of the character. And maybe if you're going to make the decision to include Kate Kane at some point, uh, or I'm sorry, Ruby Rose at some point, sometimes I do that. <laughs> I swear, <laughs> I know I'm talking about the actor, but I say the character. That's why I remember when we were interviewing what uh, Miss April Bowlby for uh, that conversation. At one point I called her Rita and I was like, I'm so sorry. But in my head, like I'm talking, like I'm thinking about the character when I'm asking you these questions. And when I'm thinking about the story, I'm thinking about the character. I'm thinking about Ruby Rose. And what I feel uh, really works for me is the idea of, okay, we now have established in the mind of people that, you know, we've, we've got a new Batwoman and we've got a new story arc while we've got, you know, the sister who's still looking for Ruby Rose. But there's when and how you can fit these possibilities together. And I think it might be helpful for uh, Batwoman to go through a character development and at the end of it sort of feel like, you know, she's come through on the other side, only to then have this person from the past whose legacy she might have in some ways put behind her now appearing in person, face to face. And now this is the new challenge. What does it oh, mean yeah. that the old Batwoman is back? What does it mean for where she went and how can that be used to further the story of the new Batwoman? So we can get that closure, but we can also make it part of, you know what I mean? So if it organically was something that was directed so that the character development as well as this return are fit together. But I, I can see the idea of it being too soon right now because we need to establish some things about the character first before we put this new challenge on top. I feel like you've got more to say, buddy. Yeah, just that, I, you know, <laughs> I was just going to say that I absolutely agree. I mean, I I don't know when that would be, you know, but I think that it would still be nice whenever, you know, whenever that might be, you know, that could be season three, you know, who, you know season four, who knows. But gotcha. it would still be nice to have that, you know, that closure. 
I can. Yeah. I completely agree. I almost feel like Ruby Rose is suggesting that with the idea of it's too soon now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's not do it season one. Let's let the character get to a certain place by whatever season. You said even three. I, I get that idea as well. You know, that there's a, a way to make that happen. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it could happen if it's done the right way. I think it could be a really smart development and it could provide that closure. I think the challenge is giving the fans what they want, what they might think they want in the moment compared to what you know is going to benefit them a little bit better down the road. And not only them, but the character who's being built right now. So I think they'll figure it out, but I love the fact that she's open, as you said. In fact, I'm really happy to get behind that and uh, curious to see uh, how it might play out in the future a little bit. More thoughts, my friend? No, no. No, I think we cool. think we nailed it. <laughs> All right. Good job, us. Go us. Yeah, All right. right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if your faith is uh, renewed, restored or cemented, guess what? We have just wrapped up TV and streaming with just those two stories. Why? Well, there was so much movie before and now there is so much comic book news coming your way. That's right. Kicking off our comic news is, well, a very fun Batman urban legends story that involves luke fox but is it the luke fox you're thinking of i'm sure the answer is both yes and no brad what do you think about this story and can we help enlighten our fans as to what we're actually talking about here <laughs> yeah, so uh you know i think you know the first issue of uh batman Urban legends came out this week and it is uh it is a uh anthology series which is something that dc has really been nailing hitting it out of the park and it makes sense they're keeping on this whole anthology nobody does a DC, uh, uh, an anthology book quite like dc and it's so it, it's it's also really cool that uh you know uh Cameron johnson can come on and write a story because if you watched he plays uh uh luke fox on batwoman and he has kind of uh a nerdy swagger he seems like the kind of guy that is both really smart and could write a cool comic book story so like as an actor he looks like he seems like somebody that would be in a comic so i think that that's a a potential perfect fit for him to writing a story about the character that he plays it's a it's a nice little bit of um of synergy so i'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do uh do with the story what was your take I think this is such a smart move. I absolutely love this idea. And I love the way you explained it to everyone, you know, that this is Luke Fox writing Luke Fox <laughs> in yeah. issue number four of Urban Legend, which is so smart. You can only imagine how much material that the, the actor would want to absorb before they tried to portray a character on screen. Right. And I've loved when we've seen examples of like characters from Titans that are or other actors playing a role where they're holding up what they're like, look, this is the seminal work about this character. And parts of what I'm going to be playing are based on this. And that's the route, you know, that's where you go to. And the idea of then turning around and saying, okay, and after I've absorbed all this, and after I've now portrayed the character for a season, now into my second season on a show, let me tell you what I think is a story that would, you know, not only epitomize, but just offer an opportunity to learn more and experience more of what Luke Fox is like when, well, he gets involved in stuff because the Fox family, they get involved in stuff. It's not like they're just some periphery of the Batman universe. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that now we get this plus 
I love that this is a wonderful foreshadowing of one of the stories we'll be talking about in just a moment. So uh, I love this concept. I, I think it would be a really great opportunity for other actors who have that same Brad. You said it so well. In fact, I think we might have to include that as part of Felicky Fashion's nerd <laughs> swagger. Go ahead, folks. Just say it out loud to yourself. Nerd <laughs> swagger. It's almost like, do you remember now we're going to date ourselves because we're going to do that? Do you remember the old pop song? Rico. Oh, yeah. Suave. Like, I, I do nerd. need <laughs> Swagger. Like, I almost feel like you've done that, my friend. I don't know how he does it, folks, but flicky fashion. The man, the myth. Soon, the show will be a legend. Yeah, he's giggling modestly, but we both know what's really happening here. Nerd swag. That's right. Nerd swagger. All right. So with that out of the way, I'm happy to talk about the fact that when it comes to swagger, you know what, baby? DC is not afraid to shake, to make, and to walk the walk, which is why it's upcoming DC Pride Anthology. And as you just said it, Brad, it's an anthology, which DC just keeps killing it at. I mean... Killing it, crushing it, maybe those are negative things, crushing on it, like, you know, we're all crushing on these things because these are gorgeous. They've been gorgeous. And there's another one, DC Pride, an 80-page anthology, and in it we have yet another example of an actor writing a story about a character they portray on television. Want to unlock that uh, little piece of the present for us, Brad? You know, what's what's strikes me as really cool about this is – it just shows not only the range of LGBTQ, uh, QIA, you know, uh, characters that DC can draw from, but also the creators, the writers, the artists behind it. It's just it's 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 really cool to see. Um, you know, we have Batwoman. We have a Batwoman story, uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn story, a Midnighter story by somebody who we interviewed on this uh, on this very show, Steve Orlando. Uh, we got the Flash of Earth Eleven, uh, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, possibly the first subject of Flicky Fashions episode one. So we will see. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, story. I love it when he pisses himself <laughs> like that, folks. Come on. <laughs> Uh, a dreamer story and the dreamer story is really interesting because that is a character that debuted on uh, a trans character that debuted on the supergirl tv show so it's cool to see that character being brought into the dc universe in the comics uh renee montoya pie piper we got you know you know amazing creators like i mentioned steve orlando uh mariko tamaki uh writing some of these stories in James Tinian. I mean, you know, this is just, yeah, this is, this is going to be definitely another one of those anthologies that DC really, really nails. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. What was your take? So many things to get excited for. I loved what you were saying about um, one man, please, Alan Scott, first flicky fashion. (laughs) That's the place to be. I mean, I will happily join you for a conversation about the man's cape the man's boots. I mean, just just all of it, you know, class, the epitome of class. There's there's something about style. So many other great things to consider here. What James Tynan, I think, has done um, 
it is phenomenal. I love the idea of seeing him on this Batwoman title. Mariko Tamaki always blows me away. Steve Orlando, who, yes, we have talked with and whose work on Midnighter has always been something that has really been cheered um, by so many communities. And then the idea of Dreamer and how we now have a character who debuted on a live action, much like Harley Quinn debuted in an anime, now becoming part of a comic book story in the universe. And um, also some great characters with wonderful history. I'll never forget the Flash issue where there's Piper talking to Flash about AIDS and about like, hey, man, I know you're worried about me because I'm gay and there's a lot of stigma about AIDS in the gay community. But, you know, there's also plenty of people that, you know, can catch AIDS, can contract it through heterosexual sexual contact. And I'm worried about you, Wally, because you date a lot and, you know, you get involved with these girls. And Wally was a fast mover, a fast player. And it was a really powerful conversation. And it was one of those ones that cemented who Piper was for me, this thoughtful, charismatic uh, just wonderful character. So I, I love getting the chance to have him part of this, uh, at, you know, this really great Pride anthology. And I hope it's part of more to come because I think I think through the anthologies, you know, DC is able to like strike chords like you're playing piano or guitar and, and what those chords can unlock for other notes, for other possibilities. I think this is just the beginning of more, hopefully, anthologies, more themed anthologies, and maybe seeing them on a recurring basis. I mean, why does there only have to be a DC Pride number one? Why can't there be a number two? Why can't there be more? So I love the potential behind that. Just like I love the fact that when something's good, we can keep it going, which is why in our next story, we find out that Batman, the adventures continue, which, I mean, I know I've heard Steve on a couple of occasions really rave about this series when it was season one, is getting a season two. Brad, what'd you think about this story? And have uh, you yeah, had a to is, check out season one? I, this is one that I have not. It kind of got away from me. So this is one that I'm waiting uh, for the, the trade or hardcover when it comes out, which probably shouldn't be too you know too much longer now. Um, but I'm looking forward to reading that. And it was so well received by fans. Um, you know, I, I think that the... Batman animated series is one of those things that got a lot of people into reading comics um, because they saw the show first. So it, it's kind of nice that those, you know, those people are, you know, might be at the age where they're having kids that would want to read comics. So this would be a cool little intro for them. And it is also really cool that they have introduced characters that weren't around originally when you know the series debuted so that's really fun to watch too and uh and i kind of think it's neat that they're kind of breaking it into seasons like like a tv show so that's that's kind of fun but i think this is yeah this is going to be you know one of those things that's going to make a lot of fans happy uh what was your take I do love the fact that they're breaking in the seasons. It, it, it gives me that feeling much like I've enjoyed with Green Lantern recently with uh, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. The the feeling of that was supposed to be like a police procedural. And in, in this way, uh, this is an extension of Batman the Animated Series as it was first appearing, you know, in the 90s. And, and now it's the series continuing, but continuing in the comics. So keeping the, the concept of seasons just makes the most sense. Season one was awesome. Deathstroke, uh, Jason Todd, the way they're portrayed and the way that there were new uh, new ways to approach those stories and new twists for readers to enjoy. Yeah, fans really responded well. And it, it connected with that, that feeling. I mean, 
Did you ever watch uh, Animaniacs with Pinky in the Brain when they're always trying to take over the world? Yeah. And they do the yeah. one where they go in the they go in the past and they become like 1950s um, childhood icons, and then they come back to the present day, but all you know, hoping that they can galvanize all of their fans and create an army, but their fans are so mad that they left. I feel like <laughs> for so many people, there's that feeling of nostalgia that goes with Batman the Animated Series, and that with uh, mm-hmm. the legend where the adventures continue. They get a chance to, you know, connect with that again. That same feeling that either introduced them to Batman, brought him to life on on screen, on small screen in a way they never had before, or, or as you said, Brett, brought them into comics through an animated TV show, and now they can return to that feeling through a comic. I also love the fact that season two is going to be dealing with the uh, Court of Owls and some really other great concepts. So considering what they've done so well with Deathstroke in season one, Jason Todd, I think season two is just going to be another great example. And it looks like it's dropping May 6th on digital platforms with physical issues hitting stores June 1st. Mark it on your calendars afterwards. Go ahead and let us know what you think when you get it, because... You know, there's talking about stories and there's hearing about stories. We love hearing stories from you. I have a feeling you're going to have something to say about that. And probably more we have in store because our next story, keeping with the bat theme, a new villain known as the gardener arriving through a teaser in a preview for Batman 107. Brad, what do you think about this? I'm always down for new Batman characters, but. I don't want them to spread themselves too thin. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would still like to know more about Punchline um, and uh, the Clown Hunter and Ghostmaker. All those characters were really, really cool, and I want to know more about them. So I, 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 I can take more on my plate, but I really, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I am kind of curious to see them develop these other characters as well. On a side note, kind of in the realm of flicky fashions, I just have to say that this, you know, we did get a preview, but the, the cover, this design of Scarecrow is the best character design of Scarecrow I've seen since the Arkham games. It is scary and just, uh, this should be like the gold standard for Scarecrow's look going forward on a complete side note, but... Uh, but anyway, that's my take. Uh, what was yours? <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree, man. It, it is uniquely horrifying in the way that it's presented now. It gives me that sort of um, that feeling of otherworldly quality that I got from Sandman back when I would love his mask. Yeah. And it yeah, takes yep. that and it twists it into a much darker version that feels a little bit like, uh, you know, a darker version of Sandman and also a little bit to remind me of when uh, Hawkman was uh, showing us his past lives. And at one point he had to deal with the, the uh, bubonic plague and they would wear those kind of long beaked doctor's masks when the doctors would go around. And it gives me just a, a mixture of those elements that are both so creepy and together. Yeah, this is pretty creepy. The idea of spreading too thin, always a concern. Although I feel Tynan has a really clear intention for which characters he's bringing in and why. And I've also heard so many suggestions made about what's happening with a series like uh, The New Joker and Punchline and how that's supposed to be setting the stage for stuff that's going to be coming next year. So given that sort of long thought that he's got going on, I'm interested to see how many of these characters are coming in to be 
maybe a distraction, maybe a development, maybe to play larger roles. Maybe it's his addition to the rogues gallery. I, I don't know, but this is a creepy one <laughs> with this uh, cover. And I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what more we'll get to learn about the gardener, because as you mentioned, uh, clown hunter, ghost maker, all these others have, have been really interesting so far. And it feels like we've just got more good to enjoy, which is probably the feeling others will, uh, experience when they get a chance to take a peek at a new series that's coming out for wonder woman called wonder woman black and gold we've had harley quinn uh (laughs) we've had batman black and white now there's a superman red and blue and wonder woman black and gold pointing to the uh really beautiful bond with her and that wonderful lasso that magical thing what'd you think about this story brad and and how it's going to be presented to uh to use those elements like the black and gold. Oh man, uh, this art is incredible. And the color scheme of black and gold is just absolutely perfect for Wonder Woman. Uh, between, you know, her costume and the headband uh, and the lasso, it's just it's just perfect. This is just, um, usually the first thing that, that grabs me about comics is the story uh, and the art. I love the art, but the art comes second. But with this, it's just I find this art so compelling. I just yeah, I, I it looks it looks so cool. Uh, what was your take? So problematic how I'm going to have to sell so much more blood in order to get all these <laughs> comics from black and white to red and blue to black and gold. Like, seriously, there's other fluids. There's other organs. I'm willing to negotiate, folks. Just give me a fair price and tell me how many comics I can buy with it. Uh, yeah. And not only that, Brad, but how gorgeous these visually have been. But then you look at the recent black Batman black and white stories, like how gorgeous have the actual stories to go with that art been? Like they're really raising the bar in so many ways. It's almost like they're saying, okay, we're going to do something gorgeous with the art. And then the writers are like, well, I got to match up with the story. It's got to be just unbelievable. And it, it has so far. I, I can only imagine how much more broke I will be when this is all done because we're not done with comics you're going to want and want to buy and 80 years of green arrow and an emerald excellence 100 page super oh oh brad are we in trouble i think we're in trouble what did you think about this story and how much it's going to cost you oh man well i will definitely be picking this up uh, i've picked up all the other specials and it's you know and it's another great uh, you know anthology celebrating an amazing character you know it just it, it's kind of astounding to me that um given the great amount of co- story centered on comics that we've had over the past few weeks it, it just astounds me how much turmoil that the comic part side of dc has gone through since covid hit because i mean you know, we always say golden age of DC, but I, it's hard for me to remember other time than around, you know, the eighties and, and the first crisis and, and, you know, Dark Knight Returns and, and Watchmen where DC has been so amazing in the, in the comics, you know, that, that, that they put out. And this is just another example. So yeah, I hear what you're saying about, you know, you know, selling blood because we're going to want to get all of these. There's just not one bad book. <laughs> coming out or one that i'm not interested in in checking out so yeah it's just just yeah it's a great time to be a dc fan he says it folks he says it 
Like, it's got to be true at some point. The man's not put on here to lie. We don't pay him enough to lie. Like, it's just it's just the truth. It's just fact. And, uh, man, when you think about all these different variants, like, one, they've got the yeah. decade variants. Look at all these artists. Michael Cho, Daniel Warren Johnson, Neil Adams, Derek Chu, Gary Frank, Howard Porter, Jen Bartel, Simone DeMeo. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how much that adds up in your wallet or (laughs) how many of these you're getting on top of the original. But at the same time, like, how do you not? And Brad, I I think you've, you know, really tapped into something. When was the last time there was so much continuously great stuff? It's, It's almost like. It's almost like somehow the pressure during the the launch of the pandemic and the the shutdown we were all going through. It's like everyone suddenly went, okay, we got to do something. We just have to do something. And it seems like it's just exploding everywhere. I mean, look at movies. Look at Suicide Squad. I mean, James Gunn wrote a Peacemaker series on the side, for goodness sake. Like, <laughs> yeah, how is this yeah. all happening? Like, it's just like everyone's sort of just looking at it and going, now, for whatever reasons, now is the moment. Now is the time. And they're striking while the iron's hot. And they're they're clearly in a rhythm. And I, I just want it to keep happening. Because, yeah, I can rem- remember, like, these fits and starts where different little moments where you would have, like, this sort of, like, ooh, is this the new pickup? And it wasn't happening. Because it would happen a little bit, and then it would go. And then it would happen a little bit, and it would go. But right now, it's just, like... Oh, man, all I can think of is that great Simpsons episode where Millhouse goes, man, everything's coming up Millhouse. And I just (laughs) I just don't know what else. (laughs) Everything's coming up D.C., baby. Everything's coming up for the fans. And man, when it comes to so many new things we can potentially look forward to. Well, James Tynan has done some creepy, creepy stuff before. In fact, independently i've been a huge fan of his stuff on things like something's killing the children but when it comes to bringing that same creepiness to dc well he's done you know stuff like you know offer us a new look at the scarecrow and then he's got something coming our way known as the nice house on the lake as soft and tranquil as that title might sound i really think it's a tad more nefarious brad what was your take my friend Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, I've loved something is killing children. Uh, his take on Justice League Dark is definitely on the horror side of things. So the guy can handle horror and I love his horror writing. And uh, and look at how good the Hill House books were. The fact that that, you know, this might not be a Hill House book, but it's in that same kind of vein. I can't wait. And I love I love the title. It's so unassuming that it that it almost comes across as as sinister. I just I, I yeah I can't, I can't wait to see what this is all about. Uh, what was your take? I I do love the things you just described. One, it, it makes me think of wasn't there like a really not so well received uh, Keanu Reeves sort of like romance movie about a lake house like the lake house oh, or something yeah. like. Yeah. Right. Like there's supposed to be like this appeal to like, oh, you go to the lake to get away. You go to the lake house because it's like, you know, either it's affluent or it's an investment and escape or it's a family thing like an heirloom or you know what I mean? Like those are often the ideas. But as you said, it's because this title is so designed 
to sound like it should be relaxing. The nice house on the lake. Okay, so <laughs> why should that be a worrisome? And two, what does it say about the other houses on the lake? And we'll get back to that later. But yeah, the the horror that Tynan has, cap- has captured so far, something's killing the children. Even the horror that's going on in Department of Truth blows me away. What we saw from the Hill House line really showed that there is clearly a market for horror, that there are elements of it that masters do extremely well. You you gave a great example with Tynan's work on Justice League Dark. And I'm actually curious now because I I, I feel like maybe that's something Ram V could explore as well. I felt like when they did Mm -hmm. the handoff, it was really like a baton and a relay. Like you just almost didn't feel difference in momentum or you know what I mean? Like they really seem to be of the same mind. So I would love to consider that and his whole idea of suspense, what he's done with uh, Catwoman. It feels like this would be something that the two of them should be collaborating on at some point. But yeah, tying in yeah. the direction he's taking it. Right. Um, with with Nice House on the Lake, you've got Tynan. And then look who else you got here. Uh, Alvaro Martinez Bueno and Jordi Belair. Eh, there's some mm. there's some fun stuff to happen here. Plus, it's going to be oh, a yeah. black label. Yeah. And it's a max. Like, this has all of the makings of, like, dark, spooky, fun, pull the covers up to your chin, you know, (laughs) turn on all the lights, (laughs) spook yourself out really good, be afraid of the shadows for a few days. This could be a lot of fun. I'm sure plenty of people are as excited as we are. And, man, I'm, I'm curious to see what this could mean later on for DC and the idea of horror comics, because... Hill House was brilliant. This could be another step in the right direction. And really, that could be something we're talking about more of. And I love the concept of it. So, uh, hey, let's see if there's more in store. Tell us what you think if you get your hands on a copy of The Nice Lake House. But because we were talking a little bit dark, a little bit scary, a little, you know, menacing, why not move into a story with potentially menacing implications as well? I'm talking about... A new title, Batman Reptilian, and the suggestion of a new predator stalking the streets of Gotham in a Black Label limited series. What do you think, Brad? Okay, so we have our DC Comics trinity of Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. Me, I have a trilogy of writers, and that, when it comes to comics, and that is... Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, and my man, Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis could publish cartoons of his grocery list, and I would buy it. I I mean, Preacher is one of my favorite stories of all time. I mean, it's probably number two or three on that list. So the fact that he is coming back and writing some batman um i I know that he's had some kind of like creator own stuff um sarah came out recently uh but the fact that he's returning to you know cape books oh god i can't wait and it's another black label book and if you're going to be reading garth dennis it should be a black label book so i this is probably my favorite story of the week i i i cannot wait to read this you had me at garth dennis uh, what was your take? <laughs> you had me at Garth Ennis. You did. But actually, you had me visually because you teamed him up with Liam Sharp. Um, yeah. Liam is such yeah, a Yeah, I didn't even get to that. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry that's okay, man. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Nice. You left me something to talk about. Yeah. I appreciate that, buddy. Otherwise, it's just me going, 
Brad's right about this and Brad's right yeah. about that. <laughs> when we had Liam on, he was a treasure. He was such a genuine, just a genuine spirit. Like everything about him just seemed to come. It, it came through so naturally. It, it was like the most unassuming brilliance. And what he's done with Green Lantern, my goodness. Like Grant Morrison is a wild dude, just a wild guy with a wild imagination who loves just over the top. And Liam Sharp draws art that feels so over the top that I'm like, Okay, so like how many like fantasy sci-fi novel covers did you look at before all of this stuff started pulling together? How many movies did you watch? Or is this all from your own beautifully twisted imagination? No matter what, what he was able to do that there in like the space setting and now taking the idea of a creature, you know, that haunts the dreams of monsters and bringing that to life. The The teaser alone is gorgeous with this sort of reptilian eye with the bat symbol reflected in it mm-hmm. and and man yeah if you're gonna do a garth ennis book that's black label why don't you get someone who can create the visual aesthetic that is going to make this as beautiful as horrifying and and fulfill all of those great promises that a story like this suggests some gorgeous stuff in here and on top of it you know, you also get the fact that you can get a Bill Sinkowitz uh, <laughs> variant cover if, you know, you're yeah. into that kind of thing. Like, why not? Um, I love, you know, the many deaths of uh, or the deaths of Vic Sage. That that was gorgeous. That that was mm-hmm. just a, so these guys black label. You know, what's not to love? In fact, what's not to love about the fact that that was our last comic story? And yet we still have two more stories on the list for you. They just happen to fall under our other category. So wrapping things up next on the list is Wonder Woman, 80th Believe in Wonder. It's a campaign, and I'm going to let Brad tell you a little bit more about it. And then if I can fill in some gaps, well, maybe. But mostly I'll probably just be telling you all the ways Brad's right. Brad, you, my friend. Uh, This is definitely a time... For Wonder Woman to shine. Uh, it's the 80th anniversary and people are still talking about Wonder Woman 1984 and we're going to be getting a third Wonder Woman film. We have the Snyder Cut coming out. Uh, so this is definitely a uh, time when Wonder Woman is you know, absolutely in the spotlight. And it makes sense too to celebrate her so much uh, during, you know, uh, on International Women's Day by launching this uh, you know, and it, it's, um, you know, we, we're getting like a retro remix video of, uh, the, the, um, so you can get nostalgia for the Wonder Woman and it does feature Gal Gadot doing the spin. And I think I've seen that and it's, it's so much fun and it is so much fun that, that <laughs> Linda Carter still loves the idea of the role and takes it, you know, so seriously how important the character is. And, um, yeah, so there's just a lot going on. Like, we've got some world-renowned uh, designers like Venus Williams uh, doing some, some, some design work and fashion collection. So, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot to, um, to, to, you know, to this. And, it, and she is such a deserving character and such an important character. So, yeah, I, I, I'm down for all this. And I, I got to say that that T-shirt that's in the picture there is 
very cool like the classic costume and the different versions of wonder woman behind her and the triangles yeah that that that's that's a pretty sweet t-shirt as well so yeah um so much so much to enjoy here uh what was your take so many amazing things all leading up to october 21st international women's day uh there's a lot of fun things to go for. So one, if you want the activewear, as Brad was pointing out, Venus Williams, of course, I would imagine he would go to that. Felicky Fashions, that's the way it goes. There's also going to be an 80th anniversary 100-page spectacular. Uh, yep. That looks awesome. I love that mm-hmm. it's basically got all these different uh, people surrounding woman, Wonder Woman with their uh, bracelets crossed, with their... Oh armbands cross and it's a lovely sentiment right it's really it's just sweet and it's genuine and it 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 feels kind of wonderful the t-shirt the believe in wonder really awesome um suggestion also i love the uh the infinite wonder one as well um i love that there's such an awareness of her impact on people i still think of that great video at the con where the little girl is going up to get an autograph and it's just wearing her little wonder woman outfit and crying and and so like just overwhelmed by the idea that she's meeting her hero and how much gal gadot has really embraced not only what it means to be wonder woman but what it means to play this character to you know represent this character the way she does and what it means for all these girls who are like i want to be that you know i want that strength that compassion that you know complexity and it's a wonderful celebration. Brad says it all the time that it's a great time to be a DC Comics fan. Just another reason why. There's a lot to be aware of. So I would say go check out the uh, Believe in Wonder campaign. Type it into a search engine. Go look around. Should you have any questions about where to find any of the stuff we're talking about, come follow up with us. I guarantee you we'll let you know what's going on. Just like we're going to let you know that our last story in this other section is the fact that that's right. McFarlane Toys has officially unveiled Zack Snyder's Justice League line. Clear room on your shelves, folks. It's about to get pricey. Make some deals. Beg some people. Take out that loan. Do what you got to do because the pre-orders have gone live. And there are quite a few to choose from. Brad, which ones are on your list? Uh, Well, you know, if I had had space uh all of them <laughs> but uh you know you, you know one thing that strikes me about these these figures is um you know they have that that design work and detail that uh you know McFarland toys has become known for but there's also something more practical about them almost like these are these are figures that you could play with like you could get for your kids and have them play. You could get one for you to put on the shelf and one for your kids to play with. Um, maybe it's just the way the pictures are shot, but to me it looks like these are more um, get down and dirty and play with these figures than just put them in a display. Um, and, and I think that that's it's that's that's kind of cool to see coming from McFarland Toys. And uh, you know, once again, like, like at this point we've seen a lot of the design, but the dark side figure looks uh really interesting too and same way with cyborg um you know i I really like the detail on both of those and it's kind of a view of dark side that we haven't quite gotten from the trailers so yeah these are you know once again you know mcfarland toys is is the kind of gold standard for action figures what was your take 
Well, I couldn't have said that last part better myself. Definitely the gold standard. Definitely the, the one that others look to as how do you do it right? How do you do it so well? But then how do you do it this well and then offer a price point like 20 bucks on some of these things? I mean, mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. And I think you're right in the idea that you can get one for the shelf. You can get one for the kids to play with. It, it, it's aware of the fact that these are things that, that at some point collectors don't always, you know, just want to keep it there. <laughs> Maybe you want one there, but you also want the you can hold in your hands. And I, I recently saw I can't remember who it was, but it was it was somebody really fun. It was one of the artists I follow who put up a picture and it was like all these empty boxes from collector material. And he's like, right now I can hear all these collectors freaking out in their heads. But I suddenly have all this room and I'm so excited. Like he unboxed all these amazing things and is finally getting to enjoy them. And this makes you want to take them out of the package and play with them and and have a blast. And the detail is phenomenal. Um, I really love the suggestion. I love what you brought up, too, about Darkseid, because in the trailers up until now, in any of the teasers, we've only had that image of him sort of like taking form. Almost, it gives me the feeling of like a Star Trek transporter, like he's materializing. But because of that, you don't actually get like a full sense of him uh, in any way, except for through these toys. And it's kind of weird because he almost looks like desiccated in his center. You know what I mean? Under the torso. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's for mobility or something. But it's really sort of weird to see the way his torso separates right around the bottom of the rib line. And Mm -hmm. it, it made me look at him like, you're you're not a normal looking person. <laughs> yeah. Not that he ever was, but it really accentuates that because so often I'm used to seeing him with some sort of like a, a chest covering. So I don't even notice anything about his you mm. know, anatomy, but really interesting uh, details that caught my attention. And overall, uh, just some gorgeous figures. Each one is pretty phenomenal. And I, and I love what you said about Cyborg, the intricacy. My goodness. I mean, the detail on Cyborg is very impressive. If you get a chance, please check out these great pictures. A lot of stuff coming your way, should you be a fan with some room on your shelves. And if you don't, you can only get one. Well, let us know how you figure that one out, because I'm not making that choice for you. What I am going to do is say that's our last story. It's been my pleasure hanging out with you and Brad Flicky for episode number 109 of the DC Comics News weekly podcast that's been it for movies tv streaming zach snyder comic books and more and uh now it's just zach snyder week coming our way in the meantime should you have questions about anything we talked about brad loves to answer questions brad where can the good people find you if they got those questions they want to you know pick your brain uh, you can find me writing news and reviews on DC Comics News. You can also uh, find me on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. Uh, let me spell that out. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, F like Frank, I-L-I-C-K-Y-E, and number one. And where can people find you? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is follow that, folks, because when Felicky Fashions does come out, that could be one of the first places you're going to hear about it. Probably hear about it here, too. But, I mean, why don't you want to follow this guy everywhere? For me, you can find me out there on Twitter as one more singleton. It's the number one, the word more, and the word singleton, all smushed together with no spaces. That's me on Twitter. You can find me here at DC Comics News, writing reviews, hosting the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, my top five pick each and every week from DC Comics. 
You can find me hanging out with everyone on this amazing show. It's so much fun to be part of the DC Comics News Weekly podcast. And really, those are the best places to go looking for me. Otherwise, just type my name, Seth Singleton, in the word story into a search engine and tell me where you find me and send me a message. Let me know how it happened and what you got to say. When it comes to the whole gang, you can send a message to the entire team at DC Comics News. All you have to do is go to your favorite social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr, wherever you do choose to do, just use at symbol, you know, the at symbol, and uh, DC Comics News. It's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital M, E-W-S. When you do, that message goes out to the whole team. We'd love to hear what you're saying, what you're thinking, what we do well, what we can do better, and more importantly, anything else you have to say. We're here for you. We're fans like you, and we love to be part of that great conversation. And of course, you can make sure you never miss out on a great new episode by subscribing right now to DC Comics News. Whether it's on your podcast player, where you can guarantee you'll get the newest, whether it's DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, our episode-by-episode breakdowns of Batman the Animated Series in I Am the Night, hosted by Steve J. Ray, or the Harley Quinn wonderful episode-by-episode breakdown called Mad Love, which Brad Flicky is a part of. You can also find me there sometimes, too. And so many others from the gang that you love to hear when we let our hair down and talk about one of the wildest and raunchiest shows out there. On top of it, there's so many other great things for you to be a part of, whether it's new episodes of The Spinner Rack, the upcoming Flicky Fashions, a little show called Tropesville, which I believe is still coming your way. And then new content we've got out there on YouTube for something that is called DCN After Dark. That's Tony Hastings and Kelly Gaines giving you a visual insight to all the things that sometimes should be talked about once the sun goes down. It's DC Comics. It's DC Comics News related. You don't want to miss it. Subscribe now on your podcast platform, on YouTube, wherever you happen to enjoy us, and make sure you never miss out on all the new that's in store. That's going to do it for us. We really love having you here with us, and we can't wait to come back around for episode number 110, which means there's only one last thing we always say at the end of each episode, and that is to always read more comics. It's always better when Brad says it by himself. He's just got a smooth oh, delivery. Uh, please. <laughs> hey, my pleasure, brother. My pleasure. Hey, you know what? Steve J. Ray, Kelly Gaines, Kendra, we missed you guys. We can't wait for the next time you're on. We're all going to come back next time around. Until then, this has been DC Comics News Weekly Podcast.